Get growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 and KSTE.com. Here is Fred Hoffman. And a happy Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Farmer Fred here, Fred Hoffman, UC Cooperative Extension Lifetime Master Gardener, Garden Columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com, all the ranting at the Farmer Fred Ramp blog page at Twitter.com slash FarmerFredDailyGardenTips, but mostly snark. And the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page where there is always a garden dialogue going on. And to add to the fun... This morning, if you go over to the News Radio KFBK Facebook page and click on the video link, you can see a little uh, 20 minute or so segment that we uh, had on last half hour where Quentin Young, who's here from Fair Oaks Boulevard Nursery, brought along some very interesting, unusual, edible plants. And we uh, did a little show and tell with those, so you can find those. And that video has been uh, posted at the uh, KFBK. Facebook page and just click on the video link and you'll find it right there and in your spare time or you can keep listening to this that's fine with me and uh, you can even call in to ask questions as well 916-576-1578-866-331-8255 email send it to fred at farmerfred.com quentin young graciously is considered to stay with us over here for a while and uh, maybe even judge the garden grappler at eleven o'clock. I bet you don't even know what the garden grappler is. Do I you? don't know. I, no. I've been. I was in the secret room while you announced it. Well, it's uh, there is a clue available at farmerfred.com as well as at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred uh, Facebook page here. So uh, let's uh, continue a conversation we were having on the KFBK Garden Show about what you're finding at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center Orchard. You and your uh, crew of twenty or thirty or forty people cast uh, of thousands cast of thousands it would be what, folks wouldn't you like a cast of thousands to take care of your backyard garden sure you would <laughs> i mean we joke but we have a really good crew yes you know, i mean it, and it can you know most days you know, our work days are on usually on wednesdays you mm-hmm. know and everybody you know not everybody can come every wednesday or stay the whole time but we have a really great team and uh, they're out there uh, pruning and training and looking for pests. Yes. And uh, pulling Checking weeds. irrigation, Checking pulling irrigation, weeds, yeah. thinning fruit, harvesting fruit, all kinds of stuff. That's it. I'd like to start with irrigation because I think that is something that people tend to overlook, especially in this age of more and more drip irrigation, is set it and forget it. You can't do that with drip. No. And this time of year, we, we test the irrigation probably once a month. Right. You turn it on manually. Does turn it, it on manually. Look to see where the spray pattern is. Mm-hmm. Look to see which we use spray emitters. Look to see if any emitters are clogged, if they're broken, if they've been stepped on. Um, we adjust them to uh, to mirror the drip line of the tree. Um, you know, it's a constant process. We use the soil probe to make sure that we're watering long enough. Um, and if we're not, then we'll turn the system on manually. You just said something very interesting. In fact, there was a... Uh question that came in uh, a while back this past week that a person uh, wrote me about how to water uh, their uh, fruit trees. It was Stephen Cameron Park. He says, I have fruit trees planted pretty close. The trees form a pretty solid canopy. I use sprinklers on hoses to water so I can move them for weed eating. It seems like putting sprinklers between the trees and watering four trees at a time is better trying to water one per sprinkler at the base protecting the base kind of like a walnut orchard i saw this weekend does this system sound okay to you but what you just said i i, I think kind of goes to his question in that you want the water 
spraying out away from the tree yes. as opposed to pointed towards yeah, the tree. out to the edge of can- the canopy. And you specifically don't want to water the trunk. You don't want to water the crown right. where most of the diseases occur. And you want to spray out to the canopy of the tree where the water roots are. And again, when we say the word crown, we're referring to where the roots meet the trunk at ground level, yes. not the crown that is at the top of the tree. And also hoping you don't have a pile of mulch um, piled oh, up yeah. on that crown. Right. You don't want that. Yeah. That's called a mulch volcano. Yes. Yeah. That can cause all sorts of tree problems. But again, and in the case at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center, these mini sprayers, these micro sprayers, are they 90 degree, 180 degree? A combination. Um, but we're going for basically a full circle, 360 circle. But mm-hmm. we'll have so on some of them, we might use a 180, some we might use a 90. But we want a full circle of irrigation. Um, we water specifically, well, right now, twice a week. Um, for one hour each time, but we water on Tuesday so that when we go on Wednesday, we can often still see the water shadow, um, mm-hmm. just to double check that it's still working well. And and then, like I said, once a week or once a month, we'll actually manually turn on each zone to check each um, spray zone. How many sprayers do you have per tree? Um, it probably, I would say minimum two, maximum four. Okay. So let's say there there's three for whatever reason. Um and people are saying, wow, you only water three times a week only for an hour? Is that enough water? Twice a week. Twice a week. Twice a week, yeah. For only an hour, that's enough water. And in reality, when you look at how much water these microsprayers put out, it's more than enough. I would imagine that your uh, microsprayers are putting out about somewhere between 8 and 12 gallons per hour. Yes. All right. So times three. Times three, 24 yeah. to 36 gallons. Yeah. And, and doing that twice a week. So that's plenty of water. That's plenty the, of water. That's the beauty of microsprayers. But as you pointed out, microsprayers do need maintenance because they tend to clog. Dirt somehow gets into those uh, emitters or into the tubing, the quarter-inch tubing leading to it. And uh, I had one that was clogged with a slug the other day. I yeah. don't know how a slug got into the line, <laughs> but it found it. You know, it got pushed up into the emitter, um, and and I had to kind of. Blow it out. Yes, that, I was going to bring that up. Is the, <laughs> the way to unclog this in a lot of situations is to unscrew the sprayer and just basically blow through the sprayer. Blow through the sprayer, yeah. I got into the habit of when I had a much bigger orchard out in Harold is having some soldering wire, just a, a small piece, maybe six inches or so, wrapped around one of the sprayers maybe every 15 or 20 feet. And when you straighten out that piece of, of soldering wire, you can actually, it's small enough to poke through that emitter to clean out that anything that mm-hmm. might be I in think it. we have in our toolkit a paper clip. Yeah, that would work yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, and also you have to consider too the maintenance on the tubing leading to it. Yeah, so you know that's tubing. something, you know, when we're doing digging, you have to be careful that you don't dig into or cut into an irrigation line and it happens. Yeah. Squirrels, do you get squirrel damage out there? Oddly, no, we don't. And I think maybe it's because we have a large water feature out there. That they would tend to go to as opposed to chewing on the Yeah, they have plenty to drink from. I hear that from my Folsom neighbors about uh, squirrels chewing on quarter-inch drip lines. They do. I mean, they're known for doing that. Though I I think sometimes it's squirrels, sometimes it could be rats, too. Yeah, and they're just looking for water. They're looking for water. So (laughs) I like your idea of the trap crop. (laughs) Of a water feature. Yeah, water feature. Put yeah. out a pan, put out a pie pan of water. I mean, that's sometimes when something's taking your tomatoes, usually at the end of the summer, that my experience has been they're looking for water. Hmm. You know, so put a pan of water somewhere else and just have them, you know, 
yeah. take go go the easy route. Okay, that makes plenty of sense. Um, in fact, one of my neighbors was looking for metal micro sprayers. I guess he had worked with some years ago, but is having a great deal of difficulty finding them. I guess they're no longer available. Yeah, I've not seen those before. Yeah, they're they're all plastic. Yeah, and uh, squirrels can chew through that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, good luck on finding metal of those. I guess they they still make them in Australia. All right, so monitor your irrigation system. And like you say, go out there once a month, turn it on manually, make sure everything's working. And that's why we switched to the micro sprayers, too, because they're also adjustable as the tree changes shape. Um, It's hard to do that with the drip line that's underneath the mulch. Right. Um, You know, it's one thing if that's your drip line at home where you're there seven days a week. You know, for a working orchard where we're only there maybe once a week, it just wasn't reasonable. Except for some things like maybe persimmons and pomegranates. But... For a lot of the deciduous fruit trees, we needed something that was more adaptable. Right. And a lot of micro sprayers, as you mentioned, have that adjustable knob where you can, you know, make the spray smaller or, or larger. Yeah. And that also increases or decreases the gallonage. Exactly. That comes out. And that's very important. The other uh, thing to look for, too, is make sure that that quarter inch tubing is still firmly fastened to the half inch tubing. Yeah. Because sometimes those uh, inserts can blow out. Yep. Again, and do you, that's your monthly maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. So that you'll spot that right away. If you turn on your uh, drip system manually, you, you will see Old Faithful occasionally. Yeah, because then again, most people might run their sprinklers at night. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you won't see that right. you know, if you're not there. And, or if you see a puddle of water in yeah. the morning, yeah. that's, or, a, that's a sign. Yeah, or a blowout, what I call it, that blowout you know, that, uh, where you see all the mulch and soil sort of washed away. But, yeah. yeah, and that will be reflected in your next water bill. All right, we'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll be answering more of your gardening questions. The numbers to call, 916-576-1578 or toll-free 866-331-8255. Email, send it to fred at farmerfred.com. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Quentin Young, Fair Oaks Boulevard Nursery Manager, also a Master Gardener. Tell us about Fair Oaks Boulevard Nursery. Uh, let's see. We are on the corner of Fair Oaks and Mission. We're open seven days a week, 830 to 5. You going to be there today? I will. When we're done here, I'm going to be there. So come in and say hi. All right. And um, we just got a new shipment of water plants. Water plants. Yeah. Now, these are plants for ponds. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people don't carry them anymore. So I've kind of expanded that out. So we've got hardy water lilies, tropical water lilies, um, lotus. Mm. I've got water lettuce, water ferns, water hyacinth. Um, we've got what are called lily type plants like water poppies, the large Venezuelan um, water poppies. We've got uh, papyrus. We have a lot of bog plants, things that can sit at the water's edge. Um, so we have a pretty good selection. Boy, what's next? Venus flytraps? We have Venus flytraps, <laughs> too. Actually. Yeah. I actually have a really big select, a big se- uh, section of carnivorous plants. I have oh. Venus flytraps, uh, sundews. We have pitcher plants. We've got hanging pitcher plants, the nepenthes. Um, I try to, again, I'm, I'm, that's just a kind of a pet project of mine, but we have a whole table of those, too. And they're great for kids. Kids, it's a great way to get kids interested in plants because, you know, anything that eats bugs is like, oh, these are so cool. You've done a great job out there at Fair Oaks Boulevard Nursery since starting with them, what, five years ago? or Ten years ago. Ten years? Has it been yeah, that long? It's been more than ten years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, of just 
making it so you don't have to really compete against the Home Depot and Lowe's of the world by bringing in all these plants you would not normally find at a nursery that can grow here. Yeah, yeah. So whether it's the vegetables, the fruit trees, things like that, it's a lot of even things like annuals. You know, we've got Mm -hmm. a whole table of really unusual zinnias right now. I brought in some giant marigolds, the ones that get two to three feet tall. Oh, the African marigolds. Yeah, the really big ones. And these ones get two to three feet wide. Yeah. Um, I'm always looking for unusual plants, unusual annuals as well. Yeah. And that's stuff that you won't find at other nurseries or other big box stores. That This is why I am waiting. I'm not, I'm not waiting by choice, but wait, I, I, want my, I want my greenhouse so that I can buy some unusual annuals from seed because there are just so many different varieties out there you can get via seed that you're never going to find at a nursery. Yeah, yeah. And so we try to carry, like I carry Renee's seeds, and um, that's a good line. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's a, you get a lot more. There's a lot more things that you can start from seed. Um, I try to, you know, again, I try to get as many unusual things as I can, but um, I'm limited by what growers are growing any particular year. Right, and exactly, and because uh, you don't have your own greenhouse facilities there. Do you? No. <laughs> no, you'd be nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, all right. Anyway, okay, let's uh, delve into some email. Uh, Lori writes in on the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. She asks, can I use unbrewed coffee grounds to nourish tomatoes, or must the grounds have been perked before using them in the garden? I was blessed with a few pounds of outdated coffee. I don't recall ever seeing a date, an expiration date on coffee. It never stopped me before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's coffee. Yeah. <laughs> It's, so what about that? Uh, do you have to brew the coffee grounds before you use I don't them? see why not, but if you're not going to brew them, I wouldn't uh, dump them en masse on anything. If you have a compost pile, I would try to mix them into the compost. Um, if you're going to use them on the soil, um, like you and I talked about, I would scatter it lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I've used used coffee grounds, if you put it on too heavy, it can form a crust. Um, so I would just try to... Uh, Use it as lightly as possible. That is true when using any sort of a fine mulch, be it pine needles or worm castings or whatever. You don't want to put it on too thick because that will stop the flow of air and water. And so you don't want to build an impenetrable layer. You want to build a layer that's going to help nourish uh, the soil below. And the only way that mulch can do that is if air and water are allowed to work their way through to help break down that what's called the I.O. layer, the layer between where the mulch meets the soil mm-hmm. and uh, and convert, uh, in this case, probably more nitrogen for the soil. So, yeah, uh, not a problem. I like the idea, too, of uh, putting it in a compost pile. That would work as well. Let's go to the phones, 576-1578 here in the 916 or 866-331-8255. Don in West Sacramento, how are you? Oh, fine. All right. Uh- I have a question. I've bought some stuff called Sucker Punch, and it's supposed to keep the, uh, I guess, the thing that started growing off the roots or whatever. When's a good time to use that? Can you use it when the fruit's on the tree? or? That depends on what you're using it on. And if you're trying to kill suckers, usually people, I would think, would be using that for some tree they took out and it's still sprouting. Is this the case here? No, the trees are live trees, and I don't know why they, they got those. What does it say? I guess my first thing is, what does it say on the directions? I would look uh, on the directions and see if it says if you can use it on, because I, I can see, let's say, using it on crab apples or plums, things like that, that are notorious for sucking, but I would look look on the directions to see if you're able to use it on fruiting plants before harvest. 
Well, I, I read it on there, but I didn't quite understand it very really well, you know. I think we're going to have to read the label to figure out exactly the best way to apply it and when to apply it. Uh, that's that's why they have these labels. Yeah, I mean, it's not something I just want to throw off without read, you know, having time to read yeah. the, the PDF. So I think what we'll do is that we have a break coming up here in about five minutes. We can read it, the label, and then we can talk about it uh, after the break. You want me to read the label to you afterwards? No, no, we'll find it online, and uh, you know we can read, read and discuss it, and uh, you, you can listen to what we say. How's okay, that? Okay, that'd be great. That'd be great. All right, Don. Thanks for uh, calling. Another thing I want to know: I lost your phone number on that other program that you have. The other program at, uh, on KFBK. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get going. Uh, no, this is get growing. The other one is uh, the KFBK Garden Show. Oh, okay. Well, I, well I, I lost your phone number. Could you give me that phone number? For which show? <laughs> For the show I was just on? KFBK. Okay, yeah. there we go. Yeah, that's 916-921-1578. How about 921-1530? Try that number. 921-1530. Don, thanks for calling. Uh, can I stay on the phone? Why? <laughs> it might be a while before we come back. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, all right. Yeah, just well, listen to it. We'll we'll explain it on on. What what, what station are you on on the, on, the, on this program? This is six fifty on the AM dial or kste dot com or kste on your iHeartRadio app. It gets confusing. I understand, but yeah, we I move around. Yeah. Yeah, you're at 650. Oh, and that's uh, AM station? Uh, still, yeah. And, yeah, okay. Terry, why don't we have an FM station? Work on that. Okay. Okay, uh, thank you. All right, Don. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, there's a, a lot of products out there uh, that you really need to read the label. In fact, um, I was reading the label. I followed my own advice, read and follow all label directions before applying Sluggo Plus. And because I was having some issues with snails, slugs, or perhaps earwigs eating my uh, squash starts. And, uh, you know, it's amazing when you read a label what you learn. Mm-hmm. And in the case. It's there for a reason. Yeah. And, and the then case, you, and I always remind people you can get mostly or almost every label. If you're missing a label, go online. You can usually find it on a PDF file. Right. Exactly. And that's where uh, a little bit later on we'll talk about this product, Sucker Punch. Uh, I just uh, brought up the label. And we can talk about that. The uh, but in the case of uh, Sluggo Plus, I I think most people have been wasting it as far as they use it over too much. Yeah, they, they, they over apply. Yeah. It only calls for a half teaspoon to one teaspoon of those granules per square yard. Yeah, that's a, and that's area. that's a lot of area for a little product. Yeah, so there's a lot of space between each of those granules. Yeah, yeah. so you don't have to apply it so thickly that. Uh, the snail or slug it won't even walk through it. Exactly. You yeah. want them to take it back. And, it, and like you said, it takes a while to take effect. It takes two weeks, yeah. yeah. And so sometimes, you know, in the spring, you might want to be a little preemptive, mm-hmm. put it down before there's a problem. Um, and it does say on there that it's the product is still effective if it does get moldy, which it will if it gets wet. Um, well, but, now, in the case of Sluggo Plus, it talks about that if it does rain or you water the plant, it needs to be reapplied. To reapplied, yeah. 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 And... Uh, yeah, but 
still, like I said, I think people are using way too much. And considering the price of the Yeah, product. I don't know if that is. I think that's just human nature, you know. Yeah. Oh, one teaspoon is good. I'll use half a cup. Yes. You know. And, well, they don't measure it. They right. just open up the top right. and start and so, scattering and, it. And there's a reason why they have um, measurements on there. Yeah. And they give you a, you know, you know, let's say, you know, half a teaspoon to a gallon of water kind of thing. There's a reason for that. So yeah. Follow the directions. I'm surprised that on their opening, uh, they do have an, a, a cap that opens as opposed to unscrewing. And, but when you open it, it's still a very big opening. Yeah. And it, it's not it, cheese. You're not putting cheese on pasta. Yeah. It's almost like you want something that would be like a Parmesan cheese type grater or applier with bigger holes to help limit the amount you're putting on. And I, I was surprised to read in the instructions, too, for Sluggo Plus, uh, do not make more than three applications within 30 days. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Follow the directions. Yep, exactly. And give it time. People are so impatient when yeah. it comes to uh, killing snails and slugs that uh, the iron phosphate, which is the active ingredient in Sluggo, it, it takes a couple of weeks. Yep. For it to work, because the snails are taking it back to their nest. And they, yeah, and they basically lose their appetite. Yeah. The other good news is iron phosphate, as found in Sluggo and other products that use iron phosphate as the active ingredient to control snails and slugs, is not toxic to your pets or and your wildlife. children and, yes. and wildlife yeah. too. Unlike metaldehyde, which and and vet veterinarians can tell you horror stories of people bringing in their uh, puppies and young dogs, small and cats who have basically trailed them in the garden and licking up mm-hmm. the, the streams of metaldehyde and because it's meant to be an attractant. And unfortunately, it's an attractant to critters you don't want to hurt. Yeah. So go, go with the iron phosphate there. We'll take a short break. More Get Growing on the way on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Quentin Young, manager of Fair Oaks Boulevard Nursery, also a master gardener. I imagine you're going to be out at the Open Garden next uh, Saturday. Yes. At the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center from yeah. 9 to noon. Free event there in Fair Oaks Park. Yep. On Fair at Oaks Boulevard, south of Madison. Talking about uh, probably all those uh, uh, scaffoldings and fruit tree issues. Fruit trees, fruit tree pests, irrigation, yes. everything. I think we're talking about, too, irrigation and fruit thinning or harvesting. I think that's the topic for the orchard. Really? People still haven't thinned their fruit yet? No. It, I mean, we, we're still finding um, we're thinning apples. Yeah. Yeah. What fruit don't need to be thinned? Cherries? Cherries. Okay. Um, kumquats? Kumquats. I mean, some citrus. What about Santa Rosa plums? Well, plums in general. I mean, we thin plums and Do pluots. Okay. Yeah, they're very right. vigorous. Yeah. Figs, maybe. Okay. Um, pomegranates, we don't spend a lot of time thinning, um, nor persimmons, mm-hmm. seems like. Yeah, yeah. persimmons are, well, it depends. Sometimes yeah. you do get that cluster. Yeah. And those branches tend to break fairly easily, so you do want to uh, sort of reduce the weight on those. And as far as We the, do prop some of them up okay. sometimes. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. yeah, sometimes we do. All right. And again, uh, if you haven't done so already, for the other fruit varieties, there should be six inches of space between each remaining piece of fruit. Basically, yes. the width of your fist. Yes. And if you don't, you're looking at broken branches. You're looking at smaller fruit. You're looking at fruit that can more easily spread problems, too, if they're all touching each other. Yeah, especially coddling moth. Yeah. 
<laughs> let's get into that in a minute. But first, let's uh, finish up with Don's uh, question when he called from West Sacramento asking about a product, Sucker's Punch, and on fruit trees, well, how it affects the fruit. And we brought up the label here for uh, Sucker Punch, and it's only for use on apples and pears. Yes, and non-bearing citrus. Whatever that is. Yes. All right. And uh, so any other pear or fruit tree it's not registered for? No, yeah. it's um, And doesn't say anything about application and harvest. Yeah. And we should point out, it does mention olives as well. So basically, if you want to call olive a fruit. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Sure. All right. So olives, uh, pears, and apples is what it's registered for. And it, it talks about, you know, if I can find that sentence again, it does talk about some warnings as far as uh, uh, what can happen to certain varieties of apples. Uh, where was that uh, paragraph here? On Not that. No, it disappeared. All right. But it talked about it could reduce the size on some apples. Okay. And, but it's on the label there somewhere. It's a little hard to read these PDFs online sometimes. Yeah, and they make a point of saying don't apply the product to trees that aren't vigorous and healthy. Right, yeah, as damage uh, could occur. Um, let's see. Oh, there there has been some fruit size reduction on golden delicious apples and Anjou pears from excessive treatments to scaffolding limbs on older, weaker trees. To minimize the chance of injury, limit treated areas to 10% of the total bark area of the tree do not treat weak trees do not repeat applications on the same tree for at least one year and uh, i'm not uh, as far uh, most people when you think of suckage you think of growth from the base from the base yeah yeah and it is registered this product for uh, certain woody ornamental plants uh, unfortunately it is not registered for liquid amber <laughs> no or plums <laughs> yeah. or pluots or cherries right yeah it is registered though a uh, crepe myrtle is a notorious uh, a sucker shooter outer yes. at the base, but people don't realize it wants to be a shrub. Yeah, crepe myrtle, and then it does have flowering plums on there, but not fruiting plums. Right, yeah, yeah flowering plums, and it has uh, coast redwood, uh, Chinese elms, which are also uh, notorious from uh, sen- uh, shooting out uh, suckers from the base. So it, it could work in that regard, but uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking pruners out there and just pruning them back. Yeah, yeah. That seems to work. All right, look at all these people with questions. Shall we go to the phones? Sure. Okay, good. I, I wanted to ask your permission. Thank you. Quentin, sure. I was just talking about you, Ted. Well, I didn't hear you say that. Well, I know, because I was doing it during a commercial. I said, I wonder if Ted's oh. going to call in with his questions about a, a weed in his pond. Well, not a weed in the pond. I heard your guest talk about a uh, lotus. And when I went to Japan a year ago, we ate the roots of the lotus. And uh, they were delicious, and I've been trying to find some since. Um, and I'm one, I think it was called an American lotus is the one that's edible, and there's one other. And I'm wondering what you can tell me about that. Quentin Young, who knows a lot about plants from around the world and their edibility, I would imagine would be able to come up with an answer uh, about lotus. Now, you mentioned earlier, Quentin, that you had brought in lotus as one of your uh, water plants. Uh, uh, we do. Yeah. We have, um, it is, let's see, I'm actually, I have a book with me. I'm just sort of stalling while I turn to the right page. I mean, the, the, the quote-unquote Asian lotus is also edible. The root, okay. yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure what they were calling um, an American lotus. An American lotus, but the the Asian lotus is edible. The um, the seed pods, the head, um, the seeds are collected once the flowers are done. 
Um, but you eat the root. You can, that's yes. What, yeah. Well, that that's what we had. They sliced it and fried it like fried uh, French fries. And yes. it was delicious. Yeah, and you can and you can usually buy that again at most Asian grocery stores as well. I would think. I have tried. Okay. And I've tried. I've tried to to get the root of that and to put it in my pond, and I have not been successful. Okay. I did try eight seeds, and I got them all to germinate in that, but uh, put them in the pond, and they didn't make it. Yeah, so they probably, I don't know about much about the germination part, but we do carry the lotus plants. Okay, and what size is that? And I do I call to get a price on that and buy just the size in that? They We only have one size. It's sort of a three-gallon pot with no hole, so the, the plant itself is sitting in mud yeah. and water. Yeah. It's yeah. self-contained. They're pretty yeah. pricey, though. They're going to run you about 70 bucks. Okay. All right. Um, that is pricey. Yeah, yeah. That, those are expensive French fries, Ted. Yeah. Yeah, I and again, know. you know, I mean, I'm bringing them in as ornamentals, but you know, you yeah. could you could set these out in a pond, and they would easily multiply. But yeah, but, I know uh, they do multiply. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Um, I have one other question, Fred. Did you see my question about the sweet pea on your Facebook? No, I didn't. What did it say? Okay, I put three pictures on. I every year I grow sweet peas, and what happens? When they pop on their own, and I don't get to them before they do, there's always one seed tucked in at the very top. And it's almost 100% of, of the time. And I was wondering, I'm just wondering, you have any idea why that is? Mother Nature doing something? Or uh, have you ever heard any research on why that takes place? Why there is a seed at the top of the plant? Yeah, it pops like a poppy. Oh yeah, 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 does. yeah, right. And all the seeds go, but the one that it's and when you when you pick that and try and get that one out, it is really hard to get out. So it's it's heat activated, I guess. Well, I but why would there be just one uh, left in that pod still on the in on the the vine? Boy, this is a question for Debbie Flower, and she'll be here next week. Okay, because I have um, no idea. Yeah. Do you, okay. Well, check the pictures on Facebook. I put three of them there, and, and you can see what I'm talking about. Okay. The Internet here at the station is run by hamsters in a wheel, so it may be a while okay. before they appear. Okay. Right. Oh, okay. All right. Um, all right. Well, that answers my question. Is there a senior citizen discount by any chance? There is not, unfortunately, no. Oh, darn. <laughs> I asked that at Popeye's Chicken on Friday, and I got a discount. Well, there you go. He didn't, just, ask, he didn't ask my age. Yeah, just just show your AARP card, Ted. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. All right. right. Well, people calling with questions, we'll take a break and get to your questions when we come back to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Quentin Young, Fair Oaks Boulevard nursery manager, master gardener as well. We're answering your gardening questions. Garden Grappler coming up in about uh, 10 or 15 minutes. Your chance to pick up a prize from the Farmer Fred Prize Laboratory. Uh, Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. Clue available at uh, 
farmerfred.com. Back to the phones we go over to Mill Valley and Richard. Richard, thanks for hanging in there. Yeah, good morning. Hi. I need uh, some help maybe. Uh, I got red spider mites. We're finding them on camisiparis and pine. Uh, I'm wanting to spray them with something that won't discolor the foliage. So that's running into a little problem finding that. Okay. Um, well, that's a good question. Because when you said that, immediately I thought of insecticidal soap or neem oil, something along those lines. But I'm not sure if yeah, that would neem, discolor the foliage. Neem, yeah, there's a warning with neem. Uh, I've been using neem to control them on roses where I also have white fly and powdery mildew. So and what's the warning on the neem oil? Uh, could discolor certain conifers. Uh, I think camisiparis might have been on that list. How or, about horticultural oil? Well, I, I, it's going to be fairly warm for our area coming up here, so I was wanting to use caution on any oil. Um, I thought... I looked, uh, Monterey makes a spray called Takedown, but they do have a warning on that because it contains canola oil. And that's a pyrethroid base, yes. I think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I've used it on the pine without any discoloration, but I think the camisiparis uh, could be affected. So I'm wondering if uh, maybe I should just go with the water blast until the weather settles down a little that would be my recommendation i mean spider mites generally they like uh, dusty dry plants right right you know so I usually i try to create an environment where they don't want to set up shop to begin with does yeah. it get to be 90 degrees in mill valley yeah maybe um today it's only 71 but they're saying uh, by tuesday i think tuesday it peaks yeah because even uh, the folks at university of california say don't use soaps or oils on water stressed plants or when temperatures exceed 90 degrees yeah well the the neem that i've been applying to the roses for for white fly and spider mite and and mildew i i've been doing that late in the day you know when the sun's going down mm. and haven't seen any ill effects but those aren't listed as being impacted, you know, as far as color change of foliage. So right. I felt pretty safe with that. The other big drawback to insecticidal soap is the fact you have to hit the insect directly. There yeah. is no residual action. Yeah, okay. Well, I wondered, now I know if you use, uh, I think it's been a sad would cause you more problems if you're using it for mites. Yeah, the, 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 a lot of people forget about that, that when you start using chemicals to control mites, sometimes that does increase the problem. Yeah, you're killing the beneficial. Yeah, and that's so. the other thing, too, is encourage a big beneficial population to help control uh, spider mites. And there are a lot of beneficials out there that, uh, that, that that's their job, basically, is right. to go after spider mites. Yeah, I'm finding the occasional two-spotted ladybug and, and so forth, but uh, it, it, the population, it's odd to see them this early down mm -hmm. here, but anyway, uh, I'm going to go with the water spray then and uh, see if I can just knock them back and then we'll try something else when the weather settles. Something completely different uh, topic-wise, also canna lily, I'm growing Tropicana, that nice variegated purple and sort of orangey foliaged one. And I'd like to p 
put them outside my fenced area. Have you guys had any experience with deer with those? Have you heard about complaints of deer in Canada? I have. And yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if you want to take that. You might try one and yeah. see what happens. But frankly, if deer are hungry enough, they'll eat anything. I know, yeah. Yeah, and baby deer will eat things adults won't. I mean, yeah, it's just it's a real trial and error. Exactly. I, I mean, I see them around the county in people's unprotected yards, and they don't look browsed. But uh, newer plants, maybe more tender, et cetera. Yeah, know. well, maybe that's not a bad idea is maybe protect it with uh, some sort of uh, screen around it until the plant is uh, pretty well mature. Okay. Try that. Uh, Sounds good. Okay, thank you. All right, Richard. Good Have luck. Okay, Bye. don't discount the uh, benefits of uh, the beneficial insects. Yeah, and increase and the then population. and just uh, hosing off of the water. Yeah, yeah. And then the next step, I would try the horticultural oil. See, but I would have to check the label to see what it says about conifers. Yeah. Why do spider mites attack? Dusty, dry. Dusty, dry conditions. Yeah. So. Same with their ivy topiaries. Mm-hmm. We always tell customers, make sure you wash them off, too, when okay. you water them. So maybe just get in the habit of spraying your plants on a regular basis yeah. to control spider mites. Yeah. If they if they thrive in dusty, dry yeah, conditions. Yeah, I mean, we forget, you know, like, you know, last rain in March and then yeah. next rain not till October kind of thing. But in Mill Valley, where you've got cloud cover and higher humidity and fog, you would think that that would not be conducive to spider mites. You would think. You would think, but Richard must live on the dry side. And I'm sure there is a dry side. All gardening is local. Isn't that Thank what you, you. said? Thank you. Yes, yes, it is. Bill in Chico, thanks for giving us a call. Thank you, Fred. Sure. Uh, I have some apriums and apricots, and I had a, a reasonably good harvest this year. But uh, in the early spring, when they're first blooming, I get a, 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 a kind of a fungal rot thing there that uh, hits about the same time the blossoms do. And then the, the tree gradually overcomes it and looks great. But when you, I've noticed getting ready to go in and look around for some pruning. When you get inside, you still find some of the old dead wood and, and stuff. What can I do to start knocking that back or preventing it? I want to get started early if possible. I don't know if it's part of my pruning thing or whether I need to do some more preparation in the in the early winter or late winter. The, the to, thing uh, with any sort of apricot-based plant is to be doing pruning in the summertime and, right. and not in the wintertime. Yeah, no, no, it, I don't prune in the wintertime. Okay, that's it's just good. That this fungal thing, I prune. I prune the earliest I'd ever prune maybe is the last week of June. Okay, but right. but uh, this early this fungal thing comes in just about the same time the uh, the tree starts to perk up, you know, and and blossom. So you're talking uh, about this is like this is late winter, early spring. That it that the fungal stuff comes out. Yeah. Okay, so it's and I it, want to. I want to try to prevent that, but I, I, I don't know how soon to start preventing it. I'm, would, but opening up the canopy to allow more air and sunlight in help uh, control that That's, or not? I mean, I guess it, it, what I'm thinking he might be describing is something like bacterial canker or mm-hmm. blossom blast. And a lot of those aren't controllable once the rains start. Right. So we had a significant, prob- we had a significant problem with that at the orchard this year. 
um, on our plums and pluots and, and our peaches. We just have to cut it off. Okay. You cut it off as the weather warms. Basically, the the um, the virus that is a bacteria, I think, that causes it is usually dead by the time you cut it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you discard the cuttings. All right. Yeah, that's cleanup. Very important. Yeah, and, and those are usually it's. You see it a lot on what we call the branchlets. You know, the smaller branches. Yeah. But it it's. Uh, Bacterial blast. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm calling it the right thing, but that sounds like what you're describing. That's exactly. It sounds exactly like it. Yeah. My and, thing is, I've always been afraid to cut cut it off because of the in apricots because of the weather. Yeah, and so you could cut it off now because we're not going to be we we That's not I, you know okay. yeah we shouldn't be having any more rain and we've we've been cutting it off of the trees in the orchard. Okay, that's great. That's what I needed. That's all the assurance I need. Okay. Prune away. Okay, Coach, I'm ready to go. All right, Bill. All right, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a break for news. When we come back, it's Garden Grappler time. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet. Quentin Young will be uh, judging the quality of your answers. All five callers will get a prize, so uh, get set for that. We'll do that right after the news at 11 o'clock. Don't forget, if you miss any portion of this show, it is available as a podcast available soon after the show ends probably sometime between noon and one terry is that right all right and uh, you can find it at uh, streaming on the iHeartRadio app or ksde.com or you can download it from your favorite third-party podcast aggregator it's get growing on kste You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, it's Garden Grappler time. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet if you are up on your hot pepper knowledge. We were talking about hot peppers over on the KFBK Garden Show with Quentin Young, our guest, the manager of Fair Oaks Boulevard Nursery, also a aficionado of hot peppers. How many hot pepper varieties do you reckon you carried this year at the nursery? Uh, I guess it depends on uh, if you start at hot around, let's say, poblano or jalapeno. We probably have maybe a dozen. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we, I, I try to carry a nice range of Scoville units, so jalapeno, serrano. Yeah, go ahead. Mention some answers. Uh, oh, yeah, never mind. I was just asking for a number. <laughs> 12. We'll leave it we'll at 12. We'll go for 12. Yes. All right. So there, you've heard a few answers. There is a clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. We better quickly change the topic here so we don't give away any more answers. Cucumbers. All right. Yes, cucumbers. All right. So the, anyway, the question is, name a hot pepper variety. The numbers to call in, 916-576-1578. Or 866-331-8255. Five first callers with the correct answer get a prize, special bonus prize for caller five. Because as you know, in the Garden Grappler, you cannot repeat an earlier answer. 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. I wonder if Phil and Moraga really doesn't have a Garden Grappler answer. He better not be fooling us. Oh, I've got, I've got, I've got all five if you need them, but yeah. I don't want to give you one because let's just uh, let let somebody else win. There you go. That's very gracious of you. Thank you. Okay. Hey, um, I've got. <laughs> I'm standing in the middle of it right now. A 25 foot poison oak tree is halfway down. The stump is eight inches around. This thing must be 40 years old. Wow. All right. I'm gonna have to take the chainsaw to it at the base. Ooh. That's fun. Yes. Um, I'm wondering. Um, 
what I should do to this base. I mean, I'm not going to dig it out. Um, should I water it and then use the new bear product, which they call Roundup, or uh, after after it starts to bloom again or sprout, <laughs> or should I use some stump killer? I, I miss what would the you recommend. I missed the first part. What is it? Poison oak it's tree. Poison oak tree. Got oh. it. Wow, boy. So I would I would use um uh, I wouldn't use Roundup because Roundup is rated for broadleaf. Weeds, yeah. I would get what's called brush a brush and vine killer. No, no, I'm just trying to get rid of a stump. The rest of it I've already pulled out and cutting it up. So a, a stump killer. Yeah, basically. Or, uh, uh, not well because there's a stump remover, which is sort of more of like a it's a like a fungal spores that you put on an old stump to decompose it faster. Mm-hmm. But you would want something that's rated for um, it's called like brush and vine killer um, because the Roundup I think will just it'll sort of laugh at the Roundup. Yes. And I would use, if you look at the um, the directions on the brush and vine killer, it's usually rated for blackberries and poison oak and poison ivy. And they usually recommend that you paint it on the stump and the right. cuts. Yeah, so that might make more sense than trying to dig it out or, or take a chainsaw to it where you could be spreading it onto yourself unless you're wearing a space suit. Oh, I've got a space suit on. Okay. Yeah, but I would look for uh, something okay, that's... Well, I'll read and follow all labeled directions, but I'm definitely cutting this thing out. Yeah, yeah, but look at... Uh, Monterey carries it, but it's called, like, Brush and Vine Killer. Okay, perfect. Be careful. Yeah, good luck. How, how big... I, I'm, try, I'm trying to be careful. It's making me itch just thinking about it. How big was this poison oak tree? Um, I'm standing next to it. I'm still looking up. Uh, we're looking at... Oh, 20 foot. Twenty foot, and what are the leaves? Yeah, it's, but it's wrapped in it's wrapped in a bunch of old uh, fruit trees. Yeah, a plum and uh, and oh god, whatever else here, apricot, old old uh, old uh, cherry tree or yeah. something. Yeah, and what's the diameter of the trunk again? At least eight inches. How did that get ignored for so long? Um, because I stopped working here years ago at this house. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, it's just it's just Moraga. It's just it's just the back forty. Yeah, but still, there is still some back forty in Moraga. Are the mature leaves? Do they look the same as the immature leaves? Um, you know, let's and you're on background noise here. Um, the, there's no in, there's no immature leaves. It's on top. No, they all look great. Okay, but it, but real stemmy. It but looks it, like the oak tree. Even the leaves that are fully grown near the top, they're leaves of three, as we would say. Absolutely, with nice little berries on them. Okay, all right. Yeah, be careful. Oh, I'm standing in right now. I'll be careful as uh, I can. All right, enjoy the spacesuit environment. <laughs> you guys have a great day. Good luck <laughs> on the garden grabber. All right, Thank Phil. You. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I wouldn't want to find that in my yard. No. No. That's uh and you don't want to burn it. No. No. And uh, it's that's a that's a good one. Yeah. All right. All right, where do we go from here? Okay, we can start taking some answers here. People are lined up. People love their hot peppers. I'm not surprised. Have you found over the years that people are buying more and more hot peppers? Yeah, and I mean they're I mean, people who are into hot peppers are really into hot peppers. They'll grow every variety, multiple colors. Um, and they will show me pictures, which actually I really appreciate because I always like to know feedback on, like, how does this do, let's say, in this area or yeah. in your microclimate. But, I mean, it's pretty impressive the the um, the harvest they, they, they get on these peppers, and, the, and then they try different techniques for um, storing them, drying right. them, freezing them. I mean, it's it's, you know, people that are into peppers, like tomatoes, they're really into their peppers. Wow. American taste buds have gotten 
desensitized over the years, haven't they? <laughs> the uh, yeah, that uh, I, I find it amazing, but that uh, people hot food's addictive. Hot, I mean, spicy food yeah. can become really addictive. Well, exactly. That's why you know they, they you go to you know a drive-through. They don't say you want ketchup with that. They don't say that anymore. They say you know something along the lines of you want sauce for that. Yeah, hot sauce. Yeah, no, no, I don't want any of that Cholula stuff, man. Oh, anyway. Cindy and Chico, you're the first caller. Go ahead, give us a hot pepper variety, if you would, please. Well, one I've heard of, but I'm afraid to try. Uh, we didn't. You were breaking up there, Chico. Hello? Or Ch- Cindy, what was the answer? Hello? Hello, Cindy. Cindy, why is your connection going? Hello? Hello? Oh, Cindy. I think I've lost you. Yell, yell the answer, Cindy. She hung up. But she said something. Ooh, she said something. I, got, I didn't hear it. I was just she, she just cut out. Yeah, but in the back in the garble as, as she was going down for the third time, it was there was something. I'm going to leave her as number one, whatever the answer was. And if callers two through five repeat her answer, that would be fine because neither of us understood it. No, but I am confident that she had an answer. Okay, all right. Caller number two is Don in West Sacramento. So Don, go ahead, give us a hot pepper variety, and don't go down for the third time. Habanero. Habanero. There you go. All right. Good answer. Thanks, Don. And what, what are we sending everybody today, Fred? We're sending them how to keep fleas off your pets and out of your home, and also how to save heirloom tomato seeds. So that information will be coming your way, Don. Thanks for playing the Garden Grappler. Okay. You're welcome. All right. Caller number three in today's Garden Grappler, it's Steve in Shingle Springs. Hi, Steve. Hey, Fred, how are you doing? Doing fine, so go ahead, give us a uh, hot pepper variety, if you would, please. Well, uh, do you want a different variety of the habanero, or do you want a different pepper? Uh, give us a different pepper. Okay, um, the Thai pepper. Yeah, there you go. Okay, the Thai pepper, and that is, that's a smaller pepper, isn't it? Can be a smaller pepper, yeah. 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 And it packs a lot of punch, though. Packs a lot of punch, yeah. Yeah, it's a very decorative plant. Very decorative. Sometimes they're called bird peppers, depending on the variety that you grow. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, really good. All right, Thai pepper. Good answer, Steve. So I'll be sending you that information on controlling fleas and saving heirloom tomato seeds. Thank you, Fred. All right, thanks for calling. Hey, thanks for all your help, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're, you're welcome. Bye. All right, and caller number four in today's Garden Grappler is Roberta in Garden Valley. Hi, Roberta. Hello, Roberta. Are you there, Roberta? Oh, we're having phone issues today, are we? Tell you what, whatever number you people are on that we can't hear you, call the other number. So, are you there? Hello? Roberta, are you there? Yes, I I had a bad bad connection. Can you hear me, Fred? Yes, go ahead. What is the answer? Uh, I'm going to go with the Carolina Reaper. Yeah, I mean, we'll take it. Yeah. It's a hot pepper, the hottest pepper so far, yeah. or the hottest pepper I could find. Yeah, exactly. And, Carolina. And, and Yeah, and I have a good use for it. What do you do with it? I had a young horse that was chewing the tails off the other horses, so I put it in the blender and put a little water and oil, and wearing gloves, I would put it on the horse's tails that it was chewing up. And that worked? Absolutely. One mouthful of that, it stopped doing it. And I also put it on wood, and it keeps the horses from chewing the wood. Oh, that would make sense, yeah. All right. As long as it doesn't harm the horse that it's on. As long as the horse doesn't chew its own tail. 
No. Oh, okay, that's good. All right, all right, Roberta. I'll be sending you that information on fleas and tomatoes. Oh, wonderful! Wonderful. Thank you, Roberta. Bye. 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 We'll take a break. When we come back, we will get to caller five in today's Garden Grappler. Answers so far include habanero, the Thai pepper, the Carolina Reaper, whatever Cindy and Chico said. And what's the fifth one? Call us and find out. We do have one open line at 576-1578 in the 916 area code. It's the Garden Grappler. It's going on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. We are in the midst of the Garden Grappler lining up five people uh, who can name a hot pepper variety. We still have some open lines at 916-576-1578. A lot of people, though, waiting. And caller number one called back, Cindy in Chico. Hi, Cindy. Fred, our call was dropped. I wanted to give you the answer of a ghost pepper. Oh, there you go. Ghost. You know, I thought that's what you said. You kind of, uh, it sounded like you were going underwater as you were saying well, ghost pepper. It sounded pepper. like a huge scream here, so I think you drop kicked me. I drop, I didn't drop kick you. <laughs> that was Ma Bell. Oh, that was Ma Bell. Yes. Somebody right. like that. I also had a question. Um, I was tickled to see this week I've got a pretty good set of mandarins and lemons on my trees. But I have kind of like on the mandarin tree, there's a little bug that must be there, and I don't know what it is, but it's putting like shot holes in some of the leaves. Okay. Do you see any congregation of insects along the branches? No, we were looking, my gardener and I, and we couldn't find any. I thought, he doesn't know. I've got to ask Fred. Okay. Now, are these... Holes are they perfectly round holes or are they well, jagged? Kind of round, some kind of a little bit jagged. Yeah. This time of year, I'm, this time of year, I'm going to go with grasshoppers. Katie did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Not snails or slugs. Uh, d- depending on high, high, how high up in the tree, because I've been finding them in in citrus trees. Which yeah, and I haven't had them before, so it kind of alarmed me. But I was tickled to see we've got a crop because. I wasn't sure with this crazy weather we've been having what kind of crop we would yield. And also, isn't there a June drop of fruits? Citrus June drop is not uncommon. Yeah, depending on the weather, yeah. Yeah, usually happens in June, and it's just the trees shedding uh, fruit that will never mature. Okay, it looks like I've got a nice crop on both trees. There you go. Good for you. Sounds like a winner, huh? All right, Cindy. Okay, Fred. Watch out for grasshoppers. Well, I'm going to go and double check. Usually, I don't see any grasshoppers in my area. But well, you usually you wouldn't. I mean, you know, they they they, they hop. Yeah, they hop. And same with the katydids; they're green. Yeah. They, you know, yeah. Um, they it's to me, it's insignificant damage. They've kind of moved on by the time. It's one thing to have a defoliated tree. Yeah, something oh. nib- something nibbling on uh, nibbling on leaves. I, I usually don't don't worry too much about having dealt with. Major grasshopper infestations, personally, I have learned over the years that if you get more than eight or nine grasshoppers per square yard, that's a serious infestation. Well, I don't know if I've seen more than three in 20 years. Okay, well then, there you go. There you go. (laughs) All right, thanks, Cindy. 
Well, thank you, Fred. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So that that answers the question, what did Cindy say? It was ghost pepper. Yeah, there you go. All right. D and, D and Carmichael, turn your radio down, please. And D and Carmichael's, that's okay. Um, you're the fifth caller, which means I have for you, if you can come up with a hot pepper variety that is not a ghost pepper, a habanero, a Thai pepper, or a Carolina Reaper, I have for you, what do we have here? The oh, the Homeowner's Guide to Water Smart Landscaping. It is an excellent publication. You will be thrilled. Oh, great. Thank you. Sure. But what's the answer? Jalapeno? There you go. Nobody said jalapeno yet. Nobody they, did. No, just Quentin. He's, just the, only one, he's the only one that said jalapeno. <laughs> just me giving out answers. You know, I, I, it's my favorite. I love jalapenos. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, one of the more moderate hot peppers that... Mm-hmm. Uh, and it still has flavor. And it still has flavor. You know, that's the problem with really hot peppers is you don't get any taste. No. You just get heat. And it's it's nice to have taste because there's a lot of good hot peppers that have a little bit of heat, but also a lot of taste. One of my favorites is the Inferno, but certainly jalapenos right up there. I love to slice up jalapenos and put it on tortilla chips with some cheese and stick it in the oven for a few minutes. Oh, so, you're making me hungry. And they're, yeah, the, they're really good if you roast them, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. All right. Hey, good answer there, Dee. So I'll be sending you that uh, homeowner's guide to water smart landscaping. Thank you so much. All right, Dee. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. So thanks to everybody for participating in today's Garden Grappler. uh, Since we only have about five minutes left uh, here with you before you have to go and unlock the doors at Fair Oaks. Oh, no, they were open at 830 this morning. Oh, they were good for them. Yeah. All right. What, What? what do you have a lot of there you need to move? Uh, well, come in and get It's not too late to put vegetables in. That's right. Yeah. So Darn you, it. It's if, June. Yeah, it's if fine. you've got some, you know, some gaps here and there, you want to try some unusual stuff, come on in. You know, if you ask somebody to water something and they killed your tomato, yeah, come in and get some new tomatoes. Um, we've got lots of herbs. Um, so come in. you're actually talking now to the people who planted their tomatoes back in February. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want to try, you know, you have to replace an eggplant or something. Um, don't forget... Uh, you know, blueberries. Um, mm-hmm. We got strawberries with fruit on them. Now's a good time to come and look at fruit trees. We have lots of good citrus trees. Now's a good time to think about citrus. Um, like I said, water plants, house plants, carnivorous plants, all kinds of other stuff. I'm I shade have the, trees. I have this list called soil temperatures for vegetable seeds, and I am amazed at how high is an optimum temperature for eggplant. Their optimum temperature for basically growing is 85 degrees wow soil eggplant yeah wow and uh, that is uh the optimum range is 75 to 90 wow so and people tend to plant these things too early way too early yeah i was seeing at the big box stores i was seeing eggplant and squash plants and squash also needs a range of 70 to 95 degrees and i was seeing those back in february and march when soil temperatures are in the 50s yeah And, and they just do nothing you put them in the ground and they just get stunted right and so I can see why people may want to replace them. Right now, soil temperatures up and down the valley running around 70, basically between 68 and 76 degrees. Yeah. And, of course, if you grow things in a container or a raised bed, you're going to have a higher soil temperature. So really, if you've had problems, I guess, growing an eggplant in the past, then maybe try it in a large container. I've had really good luck actually growing peppers in five-gallon uh, plastic containers against the southern wall. Boy, with consistent watering. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, 
that is the big problem with uh, plastic containers and a south exposure when they're in full sun. But they love the heat. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That That is uh, one thing we didn't talk about earlier was the fact that growing hot peppers here in Sacramento is not the same as, say, growing hot peppers in New Mexico or Arizona where you get more heat, period. And uh, they have hot peppers. Yep. And, and yeah, and then all the hot peppers that we talked about, again, you're going to be harvesting kind of a late harvest. Mm-hmm. They take a long time to produce, but they are very productive. Yeah. And uh, squash plants, it's not too late to plant squash plants. No, squash plants, your um, cantaloupe, your watermelon, mm-hmm. put some corn in. Now's a great time to plant corn from seed. Yep. Um, yep. You can still do sunflowers. And then, like I said, if you just, you know, I, I'm i a big fan of adding annual flowers to your garden anyway. Mm-hmm. So zinnias, vinca, pentis. Um, Cosmos has all kinds of things you could put in now. Salvias, um, penstemon, great time to put in all that stuff for your summer color. I love penstemons. They yeah. stay in color for so long. Yeah. What about a plant, an annual plant that has a little bit of height, maybe 18 to 24 inches for the shade? For the shade, an annual plant. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do coleus. Okay. Um, we have some upright fuchsias. Okay. Um, You could do some of the larger New Guinean patients. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, it's... uh, Don't forget hostas. Well, the the, the hostas flower, but it's more of a bedding plant as far as the leaves go. Sure. Yeah. Or you're looking for something with a flower. Yeah, something with a flower. So like Uh, Don't forget a butylon. Got plenty of those, too. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. They need trellising, though, don't they? Well, it depends if you want them to grow taller. We actually have some... I got some really good ones that are on an espalier. I brought him in from up north. How tall will an abutilon get without support? Um, I've seen them in the six to eight foot range. Okay. I think they get a little bit leggy at that point. Yeah. I So I, I try to keep them in the three to six foot range. Okay. Do you prune them back? Yes. Okay. When is the best time to prune them Usually back? Usually late winter. I give them a bit of a haircut. Okay. So but as far as training them on a trellis, would you be pruning them throughout the season? You, you, you definitely would be shaping them. Okay. Yeah, the ones that we have on the espalier, yeah, I would sort of keep them to that size. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty cool looking. I have to try that because I have these uh, tiger eye abutilons yeah. growing in the backyard without any supports. I was just curious as to how long they would last upright. Yeah, and they would they appreciate a good feeding too. Indeed. All right. All right. Uh, good advice. And again, if you want more good advice, go visit uh, what's whatever your name is, Quentin Young. <laughs> I know your name. At uh, Fair Oaks Boulevard Nursery, or see them next Saturday out at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center in the Orchard. There you go. Open Garden Day. Yes. Thanks for having me, Fred. Sure. And coming up after this break, we're going to be talking with Shannon Gordon about uh, more events happening out of the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center next Saturday, too. So uh, stay tuned. We'll take a short break. More Get Growing on the way on Talk 650 KSTE. listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Coming up next Saturday, June 16th from 9 to noon, it's a free open garden at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center. What will you be seeing in mid-June as summer approaches? Let's find out. We're talking with Master Gardener Shannon Gordon. And Shannon, things are starting to ripen in the garden, so I imagine there may be some interesting crops ready. Oh, there will be. In the orchard, there are going to be lots of 
fruit crop that are either ready or about to be. And they're going to be talking in the orchard about harvesting. I bet the blueberries are pretty close to being ready. You know, it would be a major understatement to say that the bushes are heavily laden with fruit. They are just bending over like crazy. There will be some demonstrations about harvesting blueberries. And boy, one of the tips I can give is be sure that you have a container under the bushes because the minute you touch a ripe blueberry, it just falls right off. That's a very good tip indeed. Uh, Blueberries are very easy to harvest. The problem is trying not to eat them all before you get in the house. Well, there is that. But, oh, there's nothing like fresh fruit, fresh berries, fresh fruit, all of it. And at the same time, in the herb garden, our herb folks will be talking about summer pruning herbs. That seems like one should know that, but there are different ways and different herbs to do, and so that will be able to be viewed. My favorite, personally, is to just clip what I want, fresh thyme or fresh oregano or basil or whatever, for the grill. Up in the vegetable garden, they'll be talking about soil solarization, which is kind of an interesting method to control pests, various pests. It's pretty easy to do. You just pretty much have to be sure that it's weeded and raked nicely. You irrigate it and then put plastic on and be sure that it's sealed and leave it for four to six weeks and let Mother Nature take care of it. And might I add, it should be clear plastic. Yes, clear plastic. And in fact, that's, again, one of the benefits of visiting any of the events at the Horticulture Center, because there are lots of master gardeners to ask questions. And if you ask a question like, how thick a plastic should I use for solarizing? You'll get lots of answers. You don't want to go too thin because you don't want it to shred in the wind and you don't want to go too thick because it gets very expensive. So that's one of the nice things is the expert advice that folks get. We were talking about soil solarization in depth on last week's show, and if people want to see exactly what I was talking about, head on out to the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center next Saturday and take a look at it, see how they do it, and you can get some good ideas, especially on how to anchor that clear plastic on the ground so that you don't get any air bubbles underneath, which can lead to tearing. Absolutely. Also, up in the garden, they'll be talking about vegetable garden pest management. They can explain what to look for, how to kind of head a pest off at the pass if it's possible, and sometimes it's not. And it's interesting. Some can be handpicked. Um, there's a lot of water spraying going on. And one year, I think about three years or so ago, the white flies on one particular plant were so bad and they finally just said, you know what, you just have to admit defeat and pull it out and start over. That is an effective way to controlling white flies. And that's an option. Now, I, I would hope that, I, I don't hope, but there could be some uh, bigger pests about, maybe uh, the leaf-footed bug or bagrata bugs or something like that, or um, there may be a demonstration going on about uh, killing them with soapy water. There will be that as well. If, if there are anything, that's one of the things at the Horticulture Center 
we celebrate those things. We don't try to hide that they're there. Exactly. You'll see signs pointing out various diseases or insects, and you can see what they look like up close and personal. That's one of the things I really stress is that it's not an arboretum. It's not, I mean, it is a thing of beauty, but it's not a thing of perfect beauty. Um, We suffer the same problems there that everybody else suffers in their own home gardens. That's kind of our purpose for being there is to help people with their own gardens. It's a working garden. I see that on the uh, schedule for next Saturday during the free open garden at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center, there will be some uh, information about growing sunflowers. That's always interesting. You plant a few and then the birds will take care of the rest. Yeah, that was my thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, yeah, throw a seed in the ground, stand back. But thank you for mentioning that. (laughs) But people may be amazed at the different size sunflowers that are available. Well, there are different sizes and there are different colors. And in fact, we, the sunflowers sort of is one of our emblems on all of our brochures and you will see them everywhere. And we actually save the sunflowers and then before harvest day, people will see big vases or big containers of sunflowers throughout. In addition to the vegetable garden and the orchard and the herb, there's also the composting area. We have um, various methods of composting plus worm composting that all the little kids, well, all the little kids of all ages appreciate. We also have the vineyard and those, the grapes are just growing like crazy. I think if you stand there, you can watch the grapes grow. And in fact, speaking of grapes, there will be grape plants um, and I believe a couple of varieties of thornless blackberries available for sale. Oh, okay. And also, if somebody um, has either a plant or an insect that they're not familiar with, they can bring it in a sealed bag because we will have a table there. Ask the master gardener. So um, your various garden questions slash problems will be addressed. And don't forget, as you enter the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center, to your immediate left is the water-efficient landscape. If you're looking for ideas for plants that are blooming this time of year that don't require much water, take a slow walk through there and make note of the names of the plants that catch your eye. That's a good point, Fred, because the plants are indeed labeled. And in fact, we have a new plant um, where the sumac trees were apparently they were blocking the sun from the fruit trees in the orchard. So the sumac came out, and now we've put in what are called desert bird of paradise. The good thing about plants being labeled, when we say, oh, that tree is a bird of paradise, people think of the tropical bird of paradise. So that's why botanical names listed are far more important than common names. There's lots of interesting things to see, and People will certainly feel welcome when they come to the Horticulture Center. And also at 10 o'clock or around 10, there are lots of um, brief demonstrations. And if someone gets there a little late and misses it, um, Master Gardeners will be more than happy to explain or show what, what has just been done. 
It's coming up next Saturday, June the 16th, 9 to noon. It's a free open garden at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center at 11549 Fair Oaks Boulevard in Fair Oaks Park, just south of Madison. And if you want information, you can visit the Sacramento County Master Gardener Facebook page or their website, sacmg.ucanr.edu, and find out more about the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center. And, of course, coming up the first Saturday in August, it'll be Harvest Day, which is a big wingding event. I was just going to say, this is the very last public event before Harvest Day. Shannon Gordon, oh. Master Gardener, thanks for telling us more about the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center and what's happening out there next Saturday, 9 to noon. Thank you, Fred, very much. See you soon. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE and KSTE.com. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. It's a roller coaster week as far as the weather coming up. A high of about 83 degrees in Sacramento today. Warming up to 93 on Monday, 98 on Tuesday, 97 on Wednesday, and then cooling down Thursday and Friday. Highs around 90 degrees and Saturday, next Saturday, a high of 88. No rain in sight uh, because it is fair through October, and uh, just a little bit of a heat wave hitting us um, midweek. What else is new? It's June. We're only 10 days away from summer, 11 days. Still, it's been a comparatively mild spring so far. All right, uh, garden events going on. Uh, Farmers markets are going on. A lot of master gardening groups take part in local farmers markets. For instance, over in Calaveras County, the... uh, Farmer's Market is held the second Thursday of each month, and this market will be on at uh, 891 Mountain Ranch Road in San Andreas, which happens to be the Master Gardener Demonstration Garden at the Government Center. And that again, Thursday, June 14th, and that'll be at uh, 891 Mountain Ranch Road, and it is uh, 4 to 6 p.m., so you can take advantage of that. El Dorado County Fair is going on starting uh, June 14th, continuing through the 17th. The Master Gardeners of El Dorado County will be there to answer your garden questions and tasting and demonstrations at various times during the fair. So look for them there at the fairgrounds in Placerville. Next Saturday at the uh, Stockton Master Food Preserver Program, actually it's called the North uh, San Joaquin Master Food Preserver Program, they're going to tell you how to make jams and jellies. There'll be low-sugar and sugar-free uh, recipes as well. And uh, what else? Uh, come learn the advanced methods of uh, making them. The workshop will provide products to take home. Bring an apron, and it's a hands-on class. It, there is a $25 fee. It's held at the Robert Cabral Ag Center, 2101 East Earhart Avenue in Stockton. And again, that'll be next Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Shannon uh, mentioned earlier the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center Open Garden next Saturday. From 9 to noon at Fair Oaks Park. So that's going on. And if you have a garden event your group is uh, promoting, send it to me. Send it to me about two weeks in advance, and I'll be sure to get it on the air. Uh, Send it to fred at farmerfred.com. All right. All right. 
What else do you want to talk about? I, you know what I want to talk about. When Quentin Young was here, we were talking about all the vegetables that you can plant right now. It's still not too late to plant tomatoes and peppers and squash and melons. And he mentioned corn. And that got me to thinking about popcorn. Ah, to have a nice big sunny area to grow popcorn. If you do have a big sunny area and you want to grow a probably the healthiest snack you can grow, grow your own popcorn. You will be amazed at the varieties that are available via seed, and that's how you want to plant it is via seed, that doesn't taste like movie popcorn or Jolly Time or Oroville Redenbacher. Those are all yellow hybrid varieties that have been bred for even ripening, if you will, for size, but not necessarily for flavor. There are a lot of heirloom variety popcorns you can grow from seed that are a bit different. I, I really like the the white variety as opposed to the yellow kernel variety, uh, and there are mixed varieties as well. There's uh, My favorite is the, called Pennsylvania Buttercorn. Another variety I like, Wisconsin Black. Another one, Cherokee Long Ear. And all of these have storied histories in the United States, and these are tasty. And they are also nutritious for you. You'd be surprised at the flavor that popcorn can have when it isn't a hybrid yellow variety. The white varieties tend to pop up a little smaller. They're a little bit crunchier. What's nice, too, about the heirloom white varieties of popcorn, you know those unpopped kernels at the bottom of the bowl? You know how you could crack a filling on those? You won't with heirloom. They tend to uh, break right apart when you bite into one. So that's kind of a nice treat. And uh, as I said, it's very nutritious, providing almost as much protein, iron, and calcium as beef. A cup of popped, unbuttered popcorn contains fewer calories than half a medium grapefruit, about uh, 40 calories. It's a whole grain. It has as much fiber as bran flakes or whole wheat toast. And as I said, go for the taste. And this is the time of the year to plant it. This is the time of the year. June is a great month in our area, to be planting popcorn. Generally speaking, if you have the room, maybe a 10 by 10 or a 20 by 20 square, plant the seeds six inches apart in rows, perhaps three to four feet apart. And you're going to have plenty. And you do your harvesting all at once in early October. But like I say, this is the time to uh, get going to plant that popcorn Choose a site that gets full sun and soil that drains easily, no standing water. You don't need to plant them too deeply, maybe one or two inches deep, and again, about six inches apart. And I mentioned in a square, because when you plant corn in short blocks instead of a single row, you get better pollination. Corn is wind-pollinated, so by having it planted in a square shape, you get better pollination that way. Now, if you want to, if you want bigger ears of corn, you can thin out the seedlings to stand 10 to 12 inches apart. And again, you space the rows about three or four feet apart. Some warnings, though, about planting popcorn. Don't plant popcorn within 100 feet of sweet corn because cross-pollination could ruin both crops. Try to plant it basically upwind of any sweet corn that might be around. So give yourself that buffer, like a 100-foot buffer between sweet corn and and popcorn. Generally speaking, three fertilizations work best because it does a heck of a lot of growing in a rather short period of time. You want to fertilize it at planting time when the stalks are about knee high 
And again, when the tassels appear, and they'll be sort of cream-colored at the top of the stalks, they do like water. They water the, them thoroughly perhaps once or twice a week. And then about the time Major League Baseball playoffs begin in early October, that's the time your popcorn should be ready to harvest. The stalks will be mostly brown, so you just wait for the stalks to turn brown. The husks will be dry. The kernels will be hard. Now, how do you know when it's ready? Well, one of the easiest ways is after you've let that stalk dry and you harvest an ear of it, take a few kernels, maybe four or five kernels, and uh, stick them uh, in a pan of hot oil on the stove and see if they pop. And if they all tend to pop at the same time after a few seconds, maybe 30 seconds or so, then it is ready to remove the kernels from the rest of the ears that you've harvested. So, But generally, it takes about two weeks to get the moisture level right. So let's say the ears, the, the stalks of corn have turned brown. You've harvested all the ears. The ears are still wrapped in their husks. So what you may want to do, after about a week of them in a dry, cool location in the husk, take the husks off and then place the ears of corn in a mesh bag or old nylon stockings hang them to cure for two to three weeks in a warm, dry, well-ventilated area. And again, pop a few kernels. If they pop, strip the kernels from the cob, store the kernels in an airtight container in a cool, dry place. If you want to do this scientifically, the moisture level you're looking for is 13%. And popcorn that is chewy after popping is still too wet. Let the kernels dry some more. Popping a few every couple of days until the popcorn is no longer chewy is when you know it's ready. And if you get too many unpopped kernels, add some moisture to the storage container, maybe a a tablespoon of water over a quart of popcorn. Shake it up a a couple of times on day one. By day three, try popping another batch, and you can repeat this procedure until most of the kernels are popping. One of the best devices to use to get the kernels off the ears, because they're hard kernels, you're going to go through a pair of gloves if you just try to do it with your hands. There's a device you can see at, at some seed catalogs called the Little Stripper. I, I'm sorry, that's the name of it. And it's basically sort of a cylindrical device that slides over the ear of corn. It usually has like metal teeth or hard plastic teeth on the inside that strips the kernels off the cob. And I know that Jung Seed Catalog used to carry it. I think they too, still do. And again, you want to store the kernels in an airtight container in a dry, cool place. So... That's how you grow popcorn. Next week on this program, Debbie Flower drops by. We're going to be answering your toughest garden questions and a lot more. Please stay tuned, if you will, for the KSTE Farm Hour. That's coming up next. We talk about the continuing spread of virulent Newcastle disease in poultry flocks in Southern California. And also the rush to get high-speed Internet to rural Californian. Something like 1.4 million Californians do not have access to broadband Internet at any speed. And we find out why. And uh, a lot more. It's coming up next on the KSDE Farm Hour. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your support. We'll do it again next Sunday morning, 10 a.m., right here on KSDE. KSDE.